Hello, uh, Pastor Steve has asked me to share some Bible studies with you over the next few weeks. So we're going to be looking at the book of Habakkuk. This book is found in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. But before we start looking at the book itself, let me ask you a question. I'd like us to think about this question as we go through our time together. And this question is, when reality bites, what do we do? When reality bites, what do we do? So let's start with a little bit of background. Let's put this book into context. First question, who was Habakkuk? Now, this book was written by and named after Habakkuk, who, according to verse one, was a prophet. He was what we call a minor prophet. That doesn't mean that what he had to say was of any less value. The major prophets, such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Daniel, often spoke of wide ranging events that would have a wider impact not only on Israel and Judah, but the nations as well, such as the person and the character of the Messiah. And sometimes they talk about uh, cataclysmic events, such as those that uh, would happen and are connected to the end times. The minor prophets often spoke of specific events generally relating to their own or specific communities. But they were no less important as God was speaking to the people through these prophets. So that's what a prophet is. Somebody who God speaks through to his people. Now Habakkuk wrote this prophecy around 380 years before the birth of Jesus. And it was before the exile of Judah by the Babylonians and was one of several prophets who spoke specifically about Judah and Israel's future oppressors. So he was a man for his time, with a message for his time, and a calling for his time. Let me just repeat that, because it's really important. So he was a man for his time, with a message for his time, and a calling for his time. His name in Hebrew means to embrace now, we know, don't we, that um, in the Bible, names have meanings. They usually denote the person's message or calling. And here we see a man who sees everything going on around him. And despite what he sees, Habakkuk embraces God's plan and purposes for himself and for his people. Not a lot else is known about him. Other than according to rabbinical tradition, he was the son of the Shumanite woman who was brought back to life by Elisha. Now, I believe, I personally believe that we can learn some important lessons from his message about how we should view God and his purposes for our lives. So let me go back to the question I asked you to think about earlier. Now, it may well be that this question has been at the forefront of your minds, particularly over the past 12 months. When reality bites in our lives, what do we do? When we come to realise that we 
have no control over the things that are going on around us, what do we do? How do we react? And what can we do? Now, we've, we've all had a difficult 12 months or so with this pandemic. It seems that we are all very different people now. And I don't think anyone I know has not been affected by this crisis in some way. Most of us carry some scars from this period in our lives and probably will for the rest of our natural lives. And because of this, I think that as we're coming out of this period of time, our lives as individuals and as a church will not be the same as they once were. The truth is that we need more now to turn to God's word for our daily spiritual sustenance than we have ever done before. His word can meet our every need and remains the basis upon which we build our relationship with God. Now, books such as Habakkuk, although they might not be the first part of the Bible that we would turn to in a time of crisis, they have a reason for being there. They're not just historical accounts of God's warning to the people of Israel and Judah. They have a distinct lesson for us as believers. They assure us of the character of God. They give us guidance in our lives and strengthen our testimony with others and help us to deal with the sometimes chaotic events that are around us. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's word is essential for every aspect of our lives. Remember that when Paul wrote these words to his disciple Timothy, he was not speaking about the New Testament, but he was talking about the Old Testament, including such books as Habakkuk. Paul knew that God, as revealed in the Old Testament, was the same gracious God that he knew through his acknowledgement of Jesus as his Messiah. So if Paul considered these books important to understand God's nature and purpose for our lives, so should we. I just want us to think for a little while about our faith, our relationship with God. So that when the trials in life come, we're not like straw that is blown away because our faith has no real foundation. But as Paul puts it in Ephesians 6, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to stand on God's word. He wants to stand on his truth. I thank God that we in our church seek to live a, a life of faith that's real, not hyped up. We've got one message in our church. We've been proclaiming that message over the last 12 months online and for many years before. And that is the message in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. We preach Jesus. That is the mandate for our church and that is the gospel that we preach.
But why, why would I say that? Because we need a real faith to deal with real people, with real problems in a real world. And sometimes that world is not a pretty place. And this was Habakkuk's situation. He lived in a world of monumental change. He saw chaos abroad and complacency, mistrust and unfairness at home. He lived at a time when nothing seemed to make any sense at all. He could almost have been living in our times, in 2021. Now, at, the, at that time, Babylon was the new world power. They destroyed the Assyrians, the Egyptians, and now the land of Judah was the next target. But, you know, this was all part of God's plan. Habakkuk, he saw that things were bad at home because there was great unfairness in society and uncertainty in everyday life in Judah. Judah had followed God under King Josiah, who was a good king. Within months of his death, his desired heir had been deposed and his other son, Jehoiakim, was on the throne. Now, Jehoiakim was an evil, ungodly and rebellious person. And we can read about him in 2 Kings 23 and 2 Chronicles 36. But you know, this was part of God's plan. In the middle of this mess, Habakkuk starts his prophecy. And he asks a question which we hear every day. Why doesn't God do anything? If God is out there, why doesn't he help us? Why do wicked and dishonest people prosper and get away with everything? You know, Habakkuk looked around and he asked these questions because he saw reality bite. He lived in the real world, which was not a pretty place. And nothing really changes, does it? You see, the nation he loved had seen God's blessing, but they had also lost their way they were like the church in Laodicea that we read about in Revelation they'd lost their first love God was not the center of national life he was not the guiding force for their nation or for them as individuals it had resulted in loss of faith half-heartedness by the religious authorities indifference to God by the people and even outright rebellion against God and his instructions for life. It's just like Britain, just like us in 2021. So let's start, let's read a few verses from the book of Habakkuk. And I'm re reading from the English Standard Version. Let's start at verse one. And I just wanna read the first few verses. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralysed and justice never goes forth. 
For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. This was Habakkuk's complaint. Now Habakkuk, he comes to God and basically he has a good moan. But he does it for all the best reasons. He questions what God is doing because he can see no sense in the present situation and he's concerned for the people. He reminds God that there is violence and injustice in society and that his word is no longer being followed. Habakkuk wants to see this reversed. Now he commits the cardinal sin in some people's eyes. He questions God. Now when I share God's word with you, I like to make us all think. I like us to think, well, what does this mean to us specifically? You see, we need to let God's word apply to our own personal situations, which are all very different. But what's amazing is that God will always have an individual answer for each one of us. So let me ask you a few questions. Do you ever question God? Do you think he is ever right to question God? Do you ever plead and bargain with God? to try and change things. Do you think that God is ever surprised? Has this pandemic, with all its tragedy and despair, caught God out? Do you ever ask him something that he hasn't already got sorted? You know, there's actually numerous Bible characters who came to God to question him on specific occasions for specific reasons, often pleading on other people's behalf. We see in Genesis 18 when Abraham questioned God over what he saw in Sodom and the effect on his family of God's planned judgment. In 2 Kings 20, King Hezekiah, he pleads with God to add years to his life after Isaiah the prophet had said that he would soon die. And God relented and extended his life for another 15 years. Moses pleaded and bargained with God over the sins of the children of Israel and the golden calf. Let's just read Exodus 32 together. Exodus 32, 9 to 14. Let's just read these verses. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land 
that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of, bringing on his people. Moses came to God. He saw the situation. He questioned God's intended judgment. And the nation experienced God's mercy. You know, we see this also in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Again, let, let's just read. Let's just read God's word together. Matthew 15. Let's turn to Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. It's the story of Jesus's healing of the daughter of the Canaanite woman, who was a Gentile, not a Jew. She was a Gentile. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O son, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from her master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So in this story, we see that Jesus saw the woman's faith. He saw her heart. He saw her motive. She knew who Jesus was. That he was the Messiah. She recognised that there was something about this man. He was the son of God. And that was the basis for her questioning and pleading. It was her motive. We also see in Luke 7 how Jesus, after being pleaded with by the Roman centurion, again a Gentile, agrees to intercede with the healing of his servant. Despite the fact, as Jesus puts it, his ministry at that point was to his own people. Jesus did not look at these people, who they were, but he was moved by the motives of their heart. The truth is that God is eternal. God was not surprised by what he found in these Bible accounts. He was not offend, offended by Abraham's questions, Hezekiah and Moses' pleadings. He understood their motives just as he understood Habakkuk's questions and the reasons for those questions. That's because God always looks at the heart. Now, you may disagree 
Well, I don't think it is a wrong thing to question God and to plead our cause with God if we do so with the right motive. That's the distinction. We don't question God for the sake of it, but we question it because there is a reason. We ultimately know, need to know that when reality bites, when things don't go our way, when we feel that there has been injustice, we can come to God. We have a God that we can approach, that loves us and gave his son to die for us. We can approach his throne of mercy and grace, knowing that he hears us and receives us. Ephesians 3 verses 11 and 12 say this. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Hebrews 4 verse 16 tells us, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The key word in these verses is confidence. The Greek used here denotes that we can come to God over anything in our lives or circumstances with a boldness and assurance that we will be heard. God is never too busy for us. You are never waiting at the end of the queue behind someone who you think is more spiritual. We have complete access to our Heavenly Father. So simply trust him and take him at his word that he will meet every need in your life. I'd like us to finish our first study here and dwell on these truths for a while. God is open even now for you to come with him, with your struggles, your concerns, your questions. Expect an answer. That's faith. Expect him to op begin opening up those opportunities to serve him, to develop your faith, to intercede in your family's situations, to see your unsaved friends and family come to faith in Jesus. Now, if you're far from God at the moment, he's calling you back to a relationship with him. Don't ignore his voice. If you've never realised that God is that interested with you and you've not got that personal relationship with him, then reach out to him now. Let us know what you've done. Jesus is our message. Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth and the life. So if you want to know more, contact us, either myself or Pastor Steve. And we will be happy to introduce you to Jesus. As we close in prayer, start committing these things to him. Now, we'll continue with our study of this book next time, when we'll look at God's reply to Habakkuk and how in faith Habakkuk dealt with God's response. Let's just pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth and it's real. It is what we can base our lives upon. 
And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will learn that we can come to you in our every situation, with our every need, with our every question, with all the things that trouble us, and that you are always there. Lord, you are, your arms are always open. You always hear our voice and you will answer our prayers. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as we go through this book of Habakkuk, we will learn how to respond to you. We will learn how to live by faith. We will learn how to trust you. And, Lord, that you will work things out according to your purposes in our lives. So we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I look forward to seeing you again uh, when we will be looking at the, uh, the further verses in Habakkuk and uh, start unpacking the truths that are in this wonderful book, a book that not many people look at, a book that not many people take notice of. But there are so many spiritual truths and one major truth in this book, which we can firmly build our lives upon so god bless you i look forward to seeing you again and if you have any questions or if you have any comments uh, you know our email address put your comments uh, below and uh, we will uh, look at this book again next time so the lord bless you amen <laughs>